All right, welcome everyone to this week's episode of All the Things ADHD. All the things! And you managed not to cover your microphone this week. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> I'm one of your co hosts, Lee Scalarup Bissett, also known as Ready Writing on Twitter. And I am your other co host, Amy Morrison, also known as Digiwonk on Twitter. And we are so excited that we have another guest today. So Julie, I'll let you introduce yourself too. Um, my name is Dr. Julie Alexander. Um, though if you, if you knew me for a long time, I, my maiden name was Platt. I've been married for like four years. Um, and on Twitter, I am at Julie Rose Alex. And I'm a professor at Miami University's Pharma School of Business in Oxford, Ohio. Awesome. Great. So we know each other through that those sort of writing circles uh, on yes. social media, uh, in a lot of cases. And so we we've been friend we've been online Twitter virtual friends for a number of years now. I remember your wedding, so at least four years. Um, time has no meaning uh, right oh. now. So maybe it's four years. Maybe it's been a whole decade. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I had a socially distanced wedding before it was cool to do so. I've been reminding people of that. <laughs> That's I had it nice. online. Well, my wedding was broadcast online because I got married in Las Vegas. And now that's what people are doing out of necessity. And, you know, I like to think that it's because I set the trend four years ago. So. That's amazing <laughs> that it's Las Vegas because we just recorded some episodes in which we were like, Lee went back to Las Vegas, even though she hated it the first time. because <laughs> She thought she was supposed to like it and she might like it better the next time. And I think I had a socially distanced wedding too, because we got married uh, 15 years ago. Uh, after my first year on the tenure track, we'd moved to a city. We didn't know anybody. And it was like very complicated. We just like buggered off to Jamaica, the two of us. And then we like had a video and then we played the video for people after like, enjoy <laughs> was the awesome. greatest recommend would do again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, same we thing with the Vegas wedding. Absolutely. 10 out of 10. Yep, we did um, not quite that uh, socially distant, but we did the, um, we had just a small handful of friends join us in Jasper um, and we had a, a lovely little outdoor wedding and then didn't even take video. It was just pictures. We just had pictures and um, had wedding receptions in various locations for both my husband's uh, family and my family um, so, at various like, Lee, did, did people plan that for you? Because like my sister kind of at the behest of my parents threw me and Tom a kind of like reception in Waterloo when we got back and I didn't have to plan it, which was yeah. great. Like, which was the great thing about like the yeah. wedding moon at a Sandals in Jamaica was like, it's one phone call and they're like, these are the two time slots. Um, and do you want pink or white flowers and vanilla cake or chocolate cake done? And like, I wasn't diagnosed ADHD at that point, but like, I at least knew myself well enough to know that like in no way was I competent in my first year on the tenure track in a new city to like organize a wedding. So, uh, yeah, then I managed to download the party planning onto my sister and it was just like a small thing and that we, was great. And like, to this day, I refuse to plan stuff for my family. I'm like, you guys like yeah. organize the party and I will show my ass up and that will be yeah. great. So is that what happened for you? Lee? Yeah. 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 Well, cause basically this was the compromise, right? It was, was sort of like, okay, well, we're going to have the wedding you, we want, you guys can have the receptions you want because that at the end of the day is what so um just because of family dynamics it was like there was the mom's side of the family in edmonton on so we got married on friday saturday we had one wedding reception um and then sunday we had another wedding reception for his dad's side of the family and then um 
my brother at that time was working in the British Virgin Islands. And so was only home in the offs during hurricane season. So then we had, so we got married at the end of July and then went back to Montreal at the end of October when my husband, oh, sorry, when my brother was back in Montreal and, and had it there. And then my mom organized it all. And the only thing that I asked is that, and this is the most Canadian thing ever. Um, the only thing that I asked in terms of it is that if it could be held at the curling club that my grandfather had been a longtime member of and was a senator of. Um, hurry, hurry hard, hurry, hurry, yeah, hurry, hurry. Oh it had just opened too, because it was it was October. Well, you see, my grandfather was, uh, was a longtime member, um, was now like a senator, which is, you know, like one of the, the senior members and on their board. And he had done a lot of renovations there. So like he had renovated the women's washroom. He had literally built the bar in, the bar section because every curling club has a bar section it's well like, i mean of course it does it, of course it does so <laughs> i just I, I sort of felt like if there was anywhere that had some sort of meaning to to even though i didn't curl and didn't really have anything to do with it if there's a place that it was like we could have meaning right. um but it also we had a there was a cash bar but all the money went to the curling club so i was like you know what great let's if we could do it there and of course they were thrilled to have it there and it just you know worked out really well but yeah I same thing I didn't have to plan it our yeah. our reception after we got married was we went to a, a pizza place and had pizza and beer yeah that's perfect that's, that's, that's perfect. that's a fantastic wedding reception yep. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Our, oh yeah so my, Julie, how my... did you wind up getting married in Las Vegas how did that work out well it's a it's kind of like a sad but happiest story I got engaged um and my, my now husband and I got engaged. We'd been together for a long time. I was working at a job that was very far away from him because, you know, academia. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was trying to find a place that, you know, another job where I could get, be closer to him. But it was just not really working out. And I, we got engaged, which was great. And then uh, about six months later, my mom uh, suddenly passed away. Mm -hmm. And so that really kind of threw a lot of things into turmoil. It was very sad in and of itself, but it, my mom was one of those kind of matriarch type people where she not only was, you know, the most beloved and sort of charismatic person in the family, but she kind of kept all of the family. She did all the kin keeping, not just for our nuclear family, but for like the entire extended family. So losing her left a huge void kind of, just throughout and so nobody really wanted to think about planning weddings or anything like that so um it, it took a little while before i was able to find a job and i knew i was going to be moving to where i live now and uh my sister was um she got married uh, got engaged not long after my mom passed away and she wanted to have a very large wedding um with uh because of her, my brother-in-law, you know, had a, had a large family and uh, being from Pittsburgh and everything, you know, there's a lot of ethnic traditions that go along with lots and lots of families. And it, you know, it was great and they wanted to have all of that and that's awesome. But it was going to kind of like overshadow anything that we were gonna do. She actually got married like six weeks after I got married. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was kind of, and, and she, you know, I was trying to kind of help her with her wedding at the same time as I was trying to finish the job that I had, which was not very, going very well and figure out what to do with my wedding and try to buy a house and try to get a new job. It was like the most stressful time in my life. And 
after I realized that, that what was going to have to happen, I had already put like a thousand dollars down on a place to like get married that I'd staked out with my mom before she died. And I forfeited my thousand dollar deposit and decided that I just didn't want to deal with all of this crap. And, um, you know, I, I, I had to, I had this squelch one stressor in my life where I was going to go insane. So, um, I'm yeah, so it was, it was a lot with this story. I'm, I'm very sorry, um, that your it mom, I mean, my mom died in January and it was, um, it hurts. And I mean, yeah. at least I wasn't planning a wedding. And I mean, the situation that you're describing sounds like, you know, a lot, it, like, it's really a lot. And, um, and Lee, I know that you were sort of like itinerant at the same time too, when you got married. And when I got married, I had just started a new job in a new city, like, mm-hmm. uh, and all of it. And I just want to flag, uh, for our listeners, um, because people always seem like really shocked by this when I tell them is like, you can have the wedding that you want, right? Yeah. Yep. Like you don't have to have 400 people in a church, fish or chicken with a big reception. <laughs> the idea of doing that stresses you out and makes you miserable. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Right. And, and so yep. like the, the three of us for like various sort of like constitutional or neurological or circumstantial or geographic or family dynamic reasons, um, successfully, I think, opted out of the wedding industrial complex uh, in ways that I hope each of us is able to look back um, on our weddings as a nice way to start our marriages, right? Instead of like, oh my God, like, I can't believe how much money we pay for that. So like, Julie, I think forfeiting that thousand dollars was really an investment in your own mental health. Oh Probably. gosh, I can, I can absolutely agree with that. Right? It just was, uh, say, I would yeah. pay that just to get out of this obligation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had actually like never really wanted like a big wedding or anything. I always said, I don't want a big wedding. I want a nice wedding. Mm. And after my mom passed away and, you know, I had so many relatives that were getting older and I knew that everyone was going to have to come down for my sister's wedding anyway. And I just, I was in Arkansas. My husband was in Ohio. I was, Everyone was just everywhere. And I said, you know what? Forget this. Um, We're going to go to Vegas. We found a chapel that we could actually schedule and set up the entire thing online from Arkansas, which I did. Um, Just like you described, Amy, it was like, okay, uh, or it was like the flowers. Which flowers do you want? Um, Is this chapel okay? Uh, They actually, and this this was before I was diagnosed as ADHD, was such a great thing that they had all these things in line. Like they actually took us by limo the day before the ceremony to go get our marriage license taken care of there and then took us back. So I didn't have to worry about that either. Oh, didn't and, lose it you know, by accident. Oh my God. Yes. It was perfect. <laughs> they, they had everything. They were the best. It, you know, we came like a day early and they chatted with us and told us everything that was going to happen and, you know, took care of everything. We picked out our music and everything ahead of time. The person who officiated the wedding was amazing. She was so sweet. And I sh- they live streamed the entire thing over the internet, which my dad did not understand because I don't think my dad understands what a computer is. But uh, <laughs> the greatest thing about it was that because I'd been in grad school for such a long time, all of the friends that I had made were just all over the world, all over the country. There was no way that I could physically get them all to a place where I was going to have a wedding. 
and, and it not be like a massive financial struggle for everyone. Yeah. So instead I said, Hey guys, I put like literally put the link on Facebook. I made like a mm-hmm. Facebook event, invited everybody and said, we're going to be here at this time, show up in your jammies, whatever. We'll be here. Write something in our guest book. And it was uh, like so many people, every time I bring it up, always say, Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. And so a, a very good friend from uh, my PhD program was kind enough to set up like a virtual bridal shower for me and everything. And I was like, this rocks. And it was so low stress and it was so chill. And afterwards we got our picture taken by the Vegas sign and went and had dinner and it was just like the best. Yeah. And uh, my husband got, yes. And my husband got customized Air Jordans to wear and he was able to wear shorts um, which I think made him happier than anything in the world. And, um, it was just great. <laughs> and your dress was gorgeous too. I remember Thank your dress you so was much. so beautiful as well. Thank like, you so much. I had these awesome, like Kate Spade flowered shoes that I just like yes. desperately wanted. And I was like, it's my stupid wedding. I want to wear these flowered shoes. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it's so interesting to me yeah. how like we've all kind of managed to magic our way into having these ceremonies that made us smile that are unconventional like in their ways that somehow both play to our strengths and work around like our challenges, like um, executive function around planning a wedding, like you could Mm -hmm. lose your mind on that. Right. And I I couldn't for a long time. I felt like, am I supposed to want this thing that I don't want? Right. Like, should I be doing this? And I felt like most people don't actually enjoy going to weddings. Like if you're going to be honest about Mm -hmm. it, like your friends from grad school don't want to like spend their like pittance to fly to wherever you Mm -hmm. are. They don't want to like subsidize your Island wedding, like making everybody fly to Jamaica in the middle of April, which was like not a choice that they made. And, And I, uh, it was like both easier for me to organize the wedding that I really wanted. Um, and it was exactly what I wanted. Right. And, and yeah. so, um, I think, I think it's really great. Cause like, I'm watching you both, when you talk about your weddings, you're, you're smiling. Right. And I think that's really <laughs> yes. cool. And now I want yeah. custom air Jordans. Uh, I want right. that as well. Um, just, just putting that out there for anybody. <laughs> My husband's listening, right. That, that would be put that on the Christmas list. list. Yeah, with the executive functioning problems, just with all the other cognitive load that I had at the time with trying to finish up my job, trying to buy a house, trying to take, try to participate in my sister's wedding because I was in the bridal party for that and trying to navigate the move with no money and everything else. It was like, I I can't, I can't, something has to end right here. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we like we flew away. Uh, I remember this very discreetly. We flew away on April the 23rd because April the 22nd was my grading deadline, right? So I handed <laughs> in all my grades from my first year on the tenure track. And then the next day, we got on an airplane, just the two of us, right? We weren't managing like 10 million relatives or whatever. And we like buggered off to Jamaica. And then 48 hours later, because that's the residency period you have to have in Jamaica before you get married, we got married at 1030 in the morning on the beach. And it was like very low stress. And I'd ordered a dress off the internet and I picked like between two colors of flowers. And that was the end of it. But I don't think that like after that very intense year, first year on the tenure track, like having done this big move and like living in an apartment and we were also house hunting at the same time and like Mm -hmm. didn't have like, as my mom would say, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of in terms of money. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that turn of phrase. I'm going to use that. Yeah. 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 Neither a pot to piss in nor a window to throw it out out Like a certain type of poverty. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that felt like pretty much all I was able to do. Um, And I'm, I'm pleased I was able to express that to people at the time. Um, It helps that my mom was an incredibly practical person and she was like, never one to say we need a big wedding and we need to show off for this and so like some of my capacity to listen to my own inner voice around like what do I want versus what do people tend to expect I, I think I got that from 
from my mom, who is very much like, after a certain number of years, is like, I'm not doing a Christmas tree anymore because I don't care, right? Oh, <laughs> all right. She's like, I did that, right? I don't want to do it anymore. Now I have like, she had a light up um, plastic palm tree, like a coconut palm, like you would see at like one of those like fake tiki bar kind of installation things. And she's like, we're going to Florida after Christmas. I want like a light up palm tree and that's going to be our Christmas tree. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Who do you, right? Yeah. But I guess I got that, um, I got that from her. Um, and I would definitely encourage all of our ADHD listeners. Maybe you're not planning a wedding, but there's a lot of events that you get to plan, a lot of things that you get to decide and you can decide to not do them, right? You can decide yeah. Um, yeah. that, that it, you will authentically generally be happier if you recognize your own limitations and desires, then you would be by really forcing yourself to try to meet other people's expectations around both what you should want and what you should be able to produce, right? Like we always think somehow that we're, we're wrong and broken and that if we could just do it the right way that other people seem to like to do it, if we do it that way, that we will be happy because other people will be happy. But normally when we try that, like, I don't know about you, but normally like I fail and I'm miserable, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think that's yeah. a yeah, generally yeah. applicable to most life situations where you may not feel like you have a choice about what you get to do, but you actually do. Oh gosh, that resonates so much with me, especially you were mentioning, you know, Christmas trees. Christmas is another one of those things that's so, like, uh, I hate Christmas and I, I've hated Christmas for a long time because the, the commercialism and the, I always refer to Christmas's war on America is like one of the things that I don't, it's the major thing I don't care for about it. But my mom loved Christmas and put up a tree and made Christmas really beautiful for, for everyone, not just in my family, but our extended family as well. Wrote handwritten beautiful Christmas cards every year. And, um, and, and I respected her love for Christmas, absolutely, but it was just not something I wanted. I remember her saying all the time, well, when you have your own house and your own household, you can do whatever you want. Um, but after she passed away, there was no one to kind of pick up that kin keeping thing and I tried to do it myself but I just I was not like her in that I couldn't keep all that stuff straight and remember which relatives were here and do all of the Christmas stuff and like have like $150 to spend on all these cards and send them out when you know I'm on a salary that reflected you know a massive cross-country move a wedding a new a newly bought house and um you know all this other stuff at the same time and two years ago i eventually just was like i'm not doing this anymore i felt terribly guilty for a while but i just i just couldn't do it and i yeah. i think i i it took me a while to to kind of accepted in myself that I, I'm not like her. It's okay. I'm allowed to hate Christmas. I don't have to be like, you know, belligerent about it, but people should not expect me to be like my mom. Yeah. And if I expect me to be like my mom, that's a problem too. So. I mean, is yeah. there some kind of really, um, I mean, maybe this is why so many women get diagnosed ADHD in adulthood is because we reach a certain age and you like get married. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you not only have to remember the birthdays of all of your own family members, Gosh. but somehow you have to remember, I mean, if you're in a, in a heterosexual marriage, you have to remember the birthdays of all of your husband's relatives, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why it was my job to remind my husband to call his parents, right? Like I'm not constitutionally suited that kind of detail tracking, endlessly yeah. repetitive series of like birthday cards. And I love all these people, 
I love them. You know, half the time I would not get my mom her Mother's Day card on time, not because I don't love her, but because I'm really bad at doing the series of tasks that involve like purchasing a card, right? Remembering what her postal code is, locating or purchasing a stamp when the stores are open, and then managing to get it into a mailbox with enough notice so that it will get to North Bay um, before the day. Like that's a number of things, none of which I'm good at. Doesn't yeah. mean I don't oh, yeah. love the people, right? But I think it was like those things where I was like not really able to take on that, you know, not in not in a, a Chris Jenner sense, like the momager, right? I'm the manager of the household and all of the details. So it was not just like, you know, trying to remember to pay the bills all the time, but it was also like having to remember the people that cards need to get sent to and when yeah. their birthdays are and people's anniversaries and somebody sent us a thing so we should send them a thing back and always having like stuff in the house to bring to people's places for you know hostess gifts and stuff and like I struggle well, I'm so exhausted bad. just listening to this I'm like oh god that's oh, yeah. my nightmare I actually wrote about that um I want to say recently but ADHD time maybe it was two years ago at this point <laughs> who knows um but but that like in, in the lineage of like my grandmother to my mother to me um, there was this, uh, you know, it, it, the, a paper calendar. And so every year, the sort of what you do is you take the paper calendar off of the refrigerator, and then you take the next year's calendar and you transcribe all of the events and dates in the, into that calendar. And that's like your sort of, and, and so you keep track. So I get these texts, used to be emails, now it's texts from my mother asking me, do you know what day it is today? And I'm like, oh boy. nope. Nope. And I feel bad because it's like, sometimes they're there. Some of them are like a dates that I'm like, this is when you're great. This is the day your great grandmother passed away. Or this is, I'm like, I, I, I like, she died when I was like five. I don't like, I have very few memories. Like I, 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 I get that these are important, but you know, and then I, then I feel bad when say it's the date where my grandmother or my grandfather passed away, which is, you know, a very, um, emotional for my mom, but emotional, emotional for me too. I miss them mm -hmm. tremendously, but it's also like, I don't have that written on my calendar. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't, it, it's not one of those things where, um, I'm, I'm setting my clock by it, you know, and I get that there are certain moments, which I do like I, you know, but, but, but also that's not me. Like, I'm not the one who's going to take that calendar and sit down every year. I'm going to get to like February and be like, Oh God, forget it. Like, it doesn't like it's, it'll, we'll figure it out. Somebody will shame me into like sending a card at one point or another. Um, and it, I just yeah, stopped. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, I, yes, that, that too. Right. Like, uh, you know, like we'll, we'll remember Christmas. Cause again, every, you know, there's enough external reminders for Christmas that we get that, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, but like it took us, oh gosh, it took a, my husband and I up until last year and we're about to come up on our 15th uh, as well um, to remember because every year we have a niece, we, every year it's our niece's birthday. And every year we're like, how old is she turning again? What year was she born? She was born the same year we were married. And it took us <laughs> till two years ago to make that connection and be like, oh, so well, however many years we've been married, that's how old she's turning on her birthday. Oh, like 13 years. So it's 13 years to figure that out. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it's Alex's birthday. <laughs> how old is she? <laughs> I have really struggled with that. I mean, I have really struggled with that because what I'm always afraid of is like, I don't want to do that stuff. Like, I don't expect people to like do stuff for my birthday. Like the people I want to do stuff for my birthday, I'm going to tell them. Right. And it's my husband. I'm like, it's my birthday. Yeah. And it's my birthday all week. 
and we're yep. going to be super nice to me all week. Right. That's yep. what I want. I'm yep. not expecting like friends to send me cards and stuff. And sometimes if I'm being perfectly honest, um, when they do, I feel like oh, I'm a bad person because I just know I'm not going to send them a card. It doesn't mean I don't love them. I do. Mm -hmm. Right. My love for them is proportionate to the guilt I feel when every year I fail to reciprocate yep. <laughs> yeah, these absolutely. gestures of social lubrication. Right. I cannot do them. And I have like, you know, in my sort of less self-aware autistic past, I have said to people, could you not buy me things? Because I love you, but I'm never going to buy you things. So I feel bad when you give me things because I'm not going to reciprocate. And I yeah. don't want you like, but people find that weird. Like, these are my expectations. I do not expect you to do this for me because I cannot do it for you. Right. Yeah. I can't. Um, and, and some people, I mean, I guess that's how you tell who's going to understand you're not like some people are like, all right, that's cool. Or they like, I just like to get you things. Like I know who you are. Right. And you're going to randomly pick me something at some point apropos of nothing cool. Um, or maybe you never will, but when I put out like a weird tweet and I'm crying about something, you're going to come there and be there for four hours for me. And that's true, right? It's the slot machine. You never know when I'm, what's going to come up, right? So sometimes I'm available to do this stuff for people, but I'm never going to run according to the clock where I can remember like somebody's wedding anniversary. Like, I don't care. Like, really? I care about the people. Like, I just honestly yeah. don't see where the attachment um, of a, of a relationship to a specific date is like the test that you have to pass uh, in order to be a good daughter um, or a good wife or um, a good friend. Cause like, I really struggle with that. And I think I've developed even some sort of pathological demand avoidance around stuff like obligations to get things for people's birthdays of the people that I really, really love. Cause I'm like what they want. I have to order like three weeks in advance cause it's getting shipped from this place. And then I get all like, and it's like, ah, and then I like start flapping my hands and I have a good cry and then I have a nap and then I don't do it. And then I'm mad. Right. So yes. yeah. that's something I struggle with. And I think that's like partially like a question of humaning for me, which is difficult. Part of it is executive function. And part of it is this gendered expectation that all women are going to be the ones that get the thoughtful gifts for people whose birthdays they have marked on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Can't yeah. do it. No. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, my mom, um, before she passed away, was kind of helping me to human more like a non-ADHD person because she would, and I remember, you know, doing this all through my childhood and into my, you know, young adulthood and later adulthood, I guess I would say, you know, she would say, okay, we're going to sit down and write thank you notes to these relatives for your gifts or um, we're going to sign a card for grandma or she would, you know, remind me. Uh, a couple of weeks before my grandmother's birthday is like, okay, your grandma's birthday is in a couple of weeks, you know, don't forget to get her a card. And then she would always tell me, make a list, make a list, make a mm -hmm. list of things to do. And I, I've always kept to that kind of coping strategy, just making lists all the time. Like to-do lists are something that have like never moved out of my life organization I have thing. five of them around me right now. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. five handwritten to-do lists. At the oh, moment. dude, I know. Yeah. I, I eventually switched to like doing it. I have Todoist right now, which is my app that I like because. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's there's some reasons why. I like, oh, I love it. I love it. I'm starting to do. Actually, I'm starting to do more. Um, like a little yellow note. Yeah, We're like I'm starting scary. to do more. This is one of my, this isn't helpful. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my. What this is one of my lists. Um, one of my whiteboards, one of th four whiteboards I have in my there office here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, 
you know. For people who but, are listening, if you can yeah. hear things crashing around, it's because on the Zoom call, the three of us can see each other. We're all like rifling around our desks, picking up our lists and yeah. showing them to each other. So the little exclamations of like, oh yeah, I love it. Or like, here's my whiteboard, clunk, clunk, clunk. We're actually like looking delightedly at each other's Oh God, we should like attach a screenshot of like all of us holding up our oh, lists. Holding okay, up our lists. Quick, yeah. I can totally do okay. that. We can totally do that. Well, maybe maybe we, we can do that while we're not recording so that people don't have to listen to us. So. Oh, uh... <laughs> No, no, we're going to do it now while we're recording because I'm going to run out of time at the end and we're not going to oh, do yeah. it and then we're oh, not going to yeah. have it. So we are currently on my yellow stickies. Uh, Amy has her bullet journal. Uh, Julie has her whiteboard. All right, good. I'll get that. Love it. That's a great cover. We've we got that's 27 minutes. No, that's going to be, that's going to be the, <laughs> the shot for the blog post. Like, let me tell you. Heck that's yeah. awesome. Heck I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I could also just edit this part out as well, right? Like I have that power. Um, <laughs> Ultimate power. You're the Thanos of the conversation. You're Thanos. Like you snap your fingers and it disappears. It it disappears. Except I always forget I have that power, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll leave it in there. So Julie, you're saying your mom helped you with stuff like now we're gonna do this and now we're gonna do that, and I'm like both embarrassed to say, but also feel like I should give her props. My sister does this for me now. My sister will be like, Amy. If we're going to order the flowers from the place that delivers, we need to do it by this time. Or like, Amy, if you're going to get a lawn service this year, you need to book it by this time. I'm booking mine. Would you like me to book it for you? I'm like, yes, please. No, I don't know wonderful. why she's still my sister because like, I don't honestly don't see what she gets out of this relationship <laughs> because I'm always like, can you order one for me too? And then I forget to e-transfer her the money for like six months. I always do, but she's like, Amy. Can you send me the money? I'm like, yes, thank you for doing all these things for me. And now I can't even repay you in a timely fashion because I am a trash fire of a human being. You're not a trash fire of a human being. It's she just, it falls anyway, off. So. Yeah. Well, and there's something like, there is also the people who are really good at this and this makes them feel good, right? Like yeah. it feels good to help you, right? It yes. feels good yes. to do Christmas, right? And Man, to be yes. the, the, the sort of the, the keeper. It feels, yeah, Vegas feels good. Like, it, it, you know, we talked about this last time. It takes all types, yeah. right? And yeah. so, like, if you can find a way to play to your strengths and find somebody who, um, you know, it plays to their strengths and their strengths help you, but your strengths help them in other ways, then that's perfect. And it, if it happens to be your sister, even better. Yeah. She said it's in my interesting. Driveway. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, she yeah. sat in my driveway literally for half an hour this morning um, because we were going to go to the garden center for 7 a.m., so but nice. I didn't sleep last night. Um, and then I passed out hard at 6 a.m. So she had to wake up my husband because my phone was on Do Not Disturb to come and wake me up half an hour late while she sat in my driveway. And then I staggered out of the house um, and she waited for me. So she is like an A-plus human being because <laughs> she was like, oh, we were just reading our phones. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Same thing I would have been yeah. doing if I had been at home, just in the car instead, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. My sister, I remember the one time we went on vacation together when we, after my mom had passed away, I, I, she came down to visit me where I was living in Arkansas and we drove to New Orleans and I was like trying to, I was in like total big sister mode and I was like, I'm going to show her this awesome time and, you know, I got booked us a nice like, ho like historic hotel in the French Quarter and everything and because like Amy and, and Lee, I'm wondering if you're a part of this, like I can't sleep either. I've always had trouble yep. sleeping. Yep. Um, my, you know, total shifting of when I'm able to sleep. So I couldn't fall asleep till, you know, 4am one night. 
which meant that I wasn't awake until, you know, almost 1130 at night and, or 1130 in the morning. And my sister was super pissed at me because she wanted to go, she wanted to walk to Cafe du Monde and get beignets and coffee. And I was like, why didn't you wake me up? And she looked at me and she said, you're an adult. You're an adult. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm can't be on your phone at 4 a.m. Like as if I had control over the yeah. fact that just go to, to sleep. sleep. Just go, Just to, go sleep. to sleep. Oh. If I could, I would. Yeah. I've struggled. I've struggled falling asleep since I was a child. Oh yeah, but, same. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I yeah. have like discovering like yeah. Billie Eilish is the patron saint of chronic insomniacs, right? Like she's got all these lines about sleeping in all of her songs, and the one I'm grooving on right now is like, if I could go to sleep, I would have slept by now, right? Like yeah. Yeah. I would have. Like honestly, yeah. like I woke up. The reason I was late today is because. 645 is the earliest I've had to leave the house in some time. And normally I don't even get up until 730. So I went to bed my regular time and I was very nervous about making mm, sure that I got enough yeah. sleep and I fell asleep. But then my brain woke me up. Yeah, I was asleep. Like it woke me up at two and then I was up until 530. Right. And so like people mm. are like, you know, don't worry so much. I'm like, look, I was unconscious. <laughs> like I was literally not aware of what I was thinking because I was unconscious right so like when your panic attacks wake you up in the middle of the night right uh that's your brain right that's not like yeah. try some deep breathing i'm like bitch i was deep breathing right yeah. i was asleep that's so funny when people say don't think so much don't no. worry no yeah we talked uh, about this with, uh, with kelly yeah we talked about this with kelly as well um it's, it's just like it, we would if we could like this is not i'm not being spiteful to like the general population like i would much i would i mean it's not even about fitting in it's just like i would like sleep i enjoy sleeping yeah. i enjoy how i feel after a full eight to ten hours of sleep at night you know i am not like this isn't yeah i don't want to part. be awake be at 4 30 in the morning yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be awake at 4.30 in the morning when I have to teach a class at 9 a.m. and I have an hour commute. Like, that's not, that doesn't, like, give me a buzz or whatever. Like, I, I just, I hate it. And every yeah. hour that I'm laying in my bed unable to sleep, I'm screaming inside my head, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. 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 But, yeah. You but should get up and do some yoga or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me do that. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. boy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Why don't you know we try to get so great, right? No. Yeah, but I, uh, I am just. It's interesting that you would mention um, trying to go back to what I was thinking of before. It's interesting that you would mention, you know, the way that our brains respond to different things. One thing that, as I mentioned, I'm a professor in a business school, and um, one of the things that we that, that our program that I'm in does is we have the students take the HBDI assessment, self-assessment. It's the Herman Brain Diagnostic something or other. I can't instrument. think of what the name of it is. Yes, instrument, that. And it basically, I took it so long ago as faculty that I don't exactly remember um, everything, but I did learn because one of my students pointed it out to me. He's like better at interpreting those things than I was that my brain stresses green, which means that when I am stressed out, instead of being creative and social, I get a lot more organizationally minded. Mm -hmm. So 
he said, oh, you stress green. You must make lists when you're stressed out. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't like that you know this about me. <laughs> I don't like that you, you immediately knew this about me looking at a piece of paper. But it was after I, you know, was able to discover that a little bit about myself. I was like, oh, God. And I had all these visions flashing through my mind all the times that I was on my, the phone with my mom during grad school crying, I can't get it all done. And she'd be like, make a list, make a list. And then I would go make a list. Or I would be freaking out about something so bad that I would just stop and turn around and organize a drawer, you know, yeah. um, or something like that. Or I was, the stress was too much and I would tear everything out of a bookcase and dust it off and reorganize it. Well, this is very, yeah. <laughs> actually, this is very, very common. Like, so um, like Lee and I were talking about episode in season one about like the, the neurological difference attached to ADHD is like insufficient dopamine, right? Which means like you're kind of pathologically bored all the time and it's really hard. It's like you're stuck in deep mud and it's just really, really hard to get going. But when you're panicked or stressed, really stressed about something, it kind of like gooses your adrenal system enough that your dopamine channels go back to normal. This is how stimulant medication works as well too, right? It lifts you out of that pathological boredom. And then what sounded before in your head, like so much static that was preventing you from doing anything in moments of great stress or amphetamine medication um, suddenly becomes a kind of clarity where you can get things done. Apparently that's how other people feel like all the time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds cool. People with ADHD often like remark that they don't, that cocaine makes them calm, right? But it's, it's another one of those let things. Me, let like me try that real quick. Right? Where like a, um, a neurological stimulant, right? Yeah. Like uppers, yeah. which yeah. Um, tend to um, lift neurotypical people into a kind of really driven mania that's like an out of control horse that they're trying to not get thrown by. Um, for uh, neurodivergent people, um, ADHD people in particular, tends to produce a state of calm, right? Where the car just isn't stalling anymore, where you can go, oh, right? So there's this kind of paradoxical um, relation to like stimulating situations where like you kind of like, okay, now I can focus, right? Everybody else yep. is like running around like their own ponytails are on fire and you're yep. like, no, no, let's get this done now. I'm finally ready, right? Or you take this like very powerful kind of like illegal stimulants or legal stimulants. You're like, I actually feel calm. Yeah, right. I feel like I feel pretty good. It's really different yeah. about the brain there, right? I'm remembering a time, I think like maybe about eight or nine months ago, where my husband was away for work for the night and I had nothing to do. So I like played the Marshall Mathers EP like over and over and like tore everything out uh, off of my desk and my walls and like cleaned it and rearranged it and everything. And that whole time I felt like the flow state. Yeah, you know that whole, I was like, oh wow. So like heavy music, anger, cleaning. This is good. Yeah. Does music do anything for you too? Like what for me, oh, like yeah. I've always, yeah. For me, I've always had to have something with a beat yep. to feel like I could concentrate. Not necessarily vocals, but like I've always liked dance music and that was something that was like super uncool to say, you know, when I was growing up, but yes. oh, now that, you know, EDM and everything is big and I, I'm learning more about it. It's easier to find stuff. I, I read recently that, you know, ADHD people feel like they can focus when they hear beats, even heavier beats. And I absolutely feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I do too. It's like it organizes, right. It gives like a track. Yeah. 
where things can kind of like shoot forward. Um, yeah. I listened a lot. I'm like a big fan of um, 80s, like new romantic and new wave music, oh, which yeah. is very sort of awesome synth stuff. repeating loop, very heavy. Yeah. Like, and I also mm -hmm. love like early industrial music, you know, stuff like craft work and ministry and that, that stuff is like very like thump, 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 um, repetitive. Um, and then I can just like move. Like sometimes I put music on still um, so that I can motivate myself to get in the shower and like oh yeah right? i do the yeah. same thing yeah, yeah it's like songs for marching right like yeah. there's a kind of like that, that work songs go, this, right? go, because go. they yeah. they give your yeah. brain something to do and they also provide yeah. a rhythm um that allows you to kind of like move your body in pace with that instead of like it's a kind of like external mm -hmm. <laughs> motivation or like an external structure for movement where you are sort of like mm -hmm left hand, right hand, stand up, get in the shower. Like what? It's too complicated. But it's less complicated when music is playing, right? Well, yeah, I play music throughout my house all the time. Like I have Sono speakers in pretty much all the rooms that I would ever do work in, um, including the kitchen. And playing music in the kitchen helps me to get the dishes done and helps me to do tasks that are repetitive, like chopping. And, you know, it, it also helps for like you said, like, you know, getting in the shower, taking care of brushing my teeth and also sleeping. Like if I know my husband is a wonderful person, but he does not have the same kind of neurological issues that I do. Mm -hmm. So for him, he likes to have something a little more staticky and calm for sleeping. But it, like I could sleep to really not like really loud industrial music, but I could sleep to like a chilled beat right. and that would be ideal. But I don't think yeah. he can. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. I was, I was always, everybody was always amazed at me growing up that I would be reading and listening and singing along to music while I read. And they were oh like, my God, I know. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm reading. They're like, how? And I'm like, I don't know. And same thing. Like I know, and this is again, I, my argument was always, and it's probably true, but it was like, I need something to occupy this part of my brain. And it's singing along with the lyrics while I do this other thing, which is read or write or study. Um, so it's gotta be music with lyrics cause I can't do not lyrics. Um, mm -hmm. and it's gotta be music that I know well, because if it's a new song, then my brain will automatically yeah. turn its attention to learning the lyrics of the song, even if I don't want to. So like, it's gotta be, okay, these, so I have my playlists. So I have playlists that it's like, I know these songs like the back of my hand. I know the order that mm -hmm. the songs are in. It's predictable. Yep. It's got the rhythm that I like. I know what I work best with all of them. I could sing along to every single one of them. Um, in the back of my head or under my breath while I'm writing or while I'm reading or while I'm grading. Yep. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, music and we, we grew up, I like, I don't actually, I admitted this. And as Amy was asking me, she's like, did you find any other good uh, ADHD podcasts? And I'm like, I don't like podcasts. Um, <laughs> just because, well, I grew up and, and it, this might've been like just the coping mechanism that, that we sort of figured out is that I've never liked talk radio. I've never liked mm -hmm. talk television. And so growing up in our house, we always had it on music radio stations. Now there is a lot of talking in the morning, but it's still, so the radios were always on, they were always on loud and it was always on stations that prioritized music, like, you know, over most other things. So it wasn't like morning talk radio. It was like, yeah, okay, there's the morning circus, but like, there's a lot of music. And that would be what we'd get through. And I, you know, and again, you grow up, you think that's normal. And everybody's like, no, we watch talk TV or morning, morning radio, talk radio. And I'm like, oh God, why? 
Like, yeah. what do you? It's funny. I listen even... to CBC Radio One, right, yeah. which is like the national broadcaster in Canada, and it's like fairly high quality yeah. um, programming. And the morning shows are like interviews, and I like mm -hmm. it. I like it's like having people to listen to. It's like being in a conversation. And I tend to get bored when the music starts because sometimes they'll mm. like play or here's a Canadian band that everybody should know. But I'm like ah. Like the longest three minutes of acoustic guitar of my life. I'm so bored. Um, but yeah, I do like listening to music in like some of those ways. I feel, I suggest to you, it's kind of like a stim, right? So like yeah. um, mm -hmm. autistic people stim because it is a kind of structured activation um, of, a, of a sensory response that allows for other parts to get calm right? Yes. It's like, you know, if you feel like you're, you're too jigger jaggered, if you like start moving your hands around in a certain rhythmic way, it produces a, a kind of resonance in your own body that allows you to focus on the thing um, that you want to focus on without the distraction of the environment um, overwhelming you. And so listening to music, I think is, is a kind of stim in that it's seeking out a particular sensory experience in order to be able to accomplish a goal that does not seem to be possible without yeah that sensory experience. Yeah, I think that's different for everyone too, because as you, Lee, were saying, you know, you grew up in a house where there was lots of music and not um, a lot of talk, you know, and then Amy said, oh, well, that's the opposite. I like to hear the talk and not, you know, really so much hear the music. I grew up in a house where the TV was on almost like 24 hours a day. Oh. And I could not deal with it because every time the television is on, that's where my attention goes. Hmm. And so I can't like be in a room with the TV on and be trying to talk to people in the room. Yeah, no. Like my, my mother-in-law and my husband, who, who we, we all live together, like we'll be like watching the Food Network or something. And my husband and my mother-in-law be having a conversation and like I'm, they'll ask me questions, but I can't hear them because even though I'm maybe not all that interested in the show, it's occupying everything. Like it's hundred percent of my face. TV is so, radically yeah. hyper-stimulating. Like if you look yeah. at shows from like the eighties, even they seem incredibly slow, right? Like we have a yeah. cut um, every like one to two seconds in most television shows now and ads are worse. And it's like bright lights, quick movement, loud music. I find it completely overwhelming. I can't hear oh, myself. Gosh, I know when TV is on, like my house where I grew up, you had to ask permission to turn the TV on, right? And there was oh. one TV and it was in the living room. And usually the answer was no, right? Um, people are trying to talk or people are trying to read or people are trying to like live their lives without the assault of like commercial yeah. television. And and I can't stand TV either. Like I, I'm always looking for the spot in the airport where you can't hear the TV. Like, oh God, I, did you find that spot? <laughs> I have, have you ever found that spot in Atlanta airport? Because it's like CNN. Oh God, oh, Atlanta airport. Damn corner. Oh. The worst. Like I have all my favorite non-favorite airports for like not being yeah. able to get away from the noise. And like I have switched dentists because one dentist I went to there was a tv in every single room and you couldn't get away from it and I don't want that like it was, it was like loud and scratchy or like you know you go into a store and they're like like playing some top 40 radio but like it's not tuned right so it's like <sighs> all the time I'm like yeah. I would rather die than spend one more I have like here. yeah I have turned off the tv in waiting rooms before oh bless you, you are the and like if I'm the only one in there and it's on I'll turn it off like, people I can't like you're yeah. crazy like could you turn that off maybe they're like what the TV turn off the TV. I know. Does it have and a I think, for that? Yeah, I have a really hard time with television because, and with movies too, because I have to. It has to be the only thing I'm paying attention to, or I'll get lost. 
Uh, podcasts are the same way. Like my husband and I now have kind of like a routine where we listen to podcasts every night before we go to bed and we'll be, you know, laying in bed and we'll both be playing video games while we're listening to podcasts. But then sometimes it'll be a dramatic podcast. And while we're listening to it and I'm trying to play my game, he's trying to play his game. He'll also talk to me at the same time and I lose everything. Like, you know, he'll be like, what'd you think that podcast? And I'll be like, I'm sorry, I got lost halfway through. Like, I don't know, you know? And it's, I'm sure it's frustrating for him because he's always been able to compartmentalize like all the different stimuli that kind of go into his, his, Realms of thought. Like, he can sit in front of the television and grade 40 papers. No. I could not. No. Like, I, yeah. I can, I didn't always, yeah. I think I like wrestling because, Mm. you know, you can, it's very stimulating, but also, like, you can look away from it and look back, and there's not, like, a narrative that you necessarily have to follow. So, for me, it's, like, excellent entertainment. Yeah. No, I feel that way. Like I, I'm so a thankful I didn't have to grade because I, you know, I'm not um, faculty anymore, at least not full-time faculty and B uh, thank goodness because there's no hockey season because now my brain is like wired that I grade during hockey playoffs. And that again is sort of the perfect way too. It's almost like I'm almost just listening to it. I might as well just be listening to it on the radio. Right. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, it's on in the background and I know that when they start talking like this, that I should look up, but other than that, just like in the puck and then the ice and then the whistles. And it's sort of like the other, the other one that I would, that I always enjoyed working to is um, tennis. Um, Yes. Because there's, because everybody's very quiet and like Wimbledon is like, Mm -hmm you know, the nice little polite applause golf. And, and that <laughs> yeah. golf too. Like you could listen. Yeah. Tennis is a little bit more action. Golf was hard. Like at least tennis, there was like the rhythm of the ball yeah. going back and forth and the certain expectation of like, okay, about every 45 seconds, someone's going to mess up and then they'll have to reset and everything like that. And, but it's like, you know, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm kind of obsessed with the noise that the tennis you know. balls make. I yeah, that exactly. The TV yeah. tennis ball makes a great noise. I could just listen to yeah. that forever. Yeah. There's certain things I can, there's certain things I can do while watching wrestling. Like yeah. sometimes uh, it, since we've been in quarantine, one of the wrestling TV services that we have, cause we have more than one cause we're a wrestling household and I'm a wrestling fanatic. Um, nice. I'll, I'll prop up my iPad with the wrestling with like independent wrestling television up and watch a match while I have my two other screens in front of me because I have a external monitor and my laptop Mm -hmm. and I'll be like entering homework grades and stuff like that and doing stuff that for me is like very repetitive yeah but I have to do it and Mm -hmm. I can do that and there's a lot of it I have to do because I have a, a pretty heavy teaching load and you know tons of homework and everything but I can do that while I watch a match and I can you know I can have all of those, you know, in front of me, but I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't grade papers that way. Like if I'm yeah. grading papers, like I, my mind has to be, it, there has to be the narrative. The narrative has to be here. Like, yeah. you know, it can't be on the screen in front of me. Does that make well, sense? I need some, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Because I cannot do repetitive yeah. tasks like that, like entering grades um, in silence because my brain uh, is like, like you were saying, our brains are naturally bored and then you give it something boring to do. And it's oh, yeah. like, I might as well just, yeah. So like, yeah. yeah, exactly the same thing. When it comes time for the repetitive tasks, 
then I'll have Deadliest Catch is my sort of like guilty pleasure for reality Oh, television. great show. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I love it. Um, watching Jake grow up for the past like 15 years. Um, uh, so I'll have like something like Deadliest Catch on or, you know, maybe ho hockey I can grade to, but like some, some other form or like, again, louder, faster music because just entering in grades, like I can't, yeah. Like if, if I don't have something that I like going on at the same time, I cannot do the thing that I hate. Right? I think I'm like, I, I think I'm like do. that too. And, and like Julie as well in that, like I can grade homeworks or I can like do the little mm. things, the kind of repetitive tasks. Yeah. I can like batch up my emails and, and stuff like that uh, when listening to things and it's better when I'm listening to things. But if I'm going to start to read something a little bit more complicated, either mm -hmm. I get very, very annoyed at any noise that's happening anywhere in my environment, including music that I myself have chosen or this like lead shield drops down over my head and I can't hear anything anymore. Like, mm -hmm. like in my family, like was, I was quite famous as a child in my family for being in the middle of our open concept main floor and people would be standing 10 feet in front of me calling my name and I wouldn't hear them because- I Oh yeah, same with me, so, like, mm -hmm. same. Once I get in the zone, like you could change my music yeah. and I wouldn't notice, right? But to, to like ease yourself into that, zone is like kind of like a little bit of magic either like I need to listen to the music to get started but as soon as I'm actually in it I need the music to turn off right away or I'm like gonna lose my mind or like you can like call my name if you want but it feels like I'm 200 feet underwater you know exploring a cave and you like just knocked on my diving helmet and I was completely surprised by that like so there's like a kind of like having to goose yourself with like oh, outside yeah. stimulus in order yeah. to get the boring stuff done but then this amazing capacity to like kind of completely fall into the flow so hard you're like in an alternate dimension where stimulus can't reach you anymore and I love that I me love too that. I used to tell students like these are things I discovered about myself in the years leading up to my diagnosis which I was only diagnosed about two years ago but when I was working on my dissertation and stuff, and I, I really can say that I really started to understand, and I've been in higher education for like 17 years almost. I, I don't think I really started to understand writing until maybe like five years ago, you know, <laughs> five or six years ago. I don't, don't tell my dissertation to me. But like, I, I they would can't tell take it back. Yeah. That's true, that is true. They cannot I take it back. Cannot. It's on the wall over here, you can't get it. Yeah. I used to tell my students like everyone has this time to suck like everyone has this suck time at the beginning of their writing what if, if you struggle with getting started with writing like I do there's gonna be a moment at the beginning of your writing process every time it doesn't matter how experienced you are or how much you've coached yourself through it or how much you want to write or you don't want to write there's gonna be a time at the beginning of the process where it's just gonna feel like hell I actually told my mom once that it felt like someone was trying to drown me. I would mm -hmm. fight that hard against it. Mm -hmm. And you know, she didn't quite understand what that meant, but yeah. she tried because she was a good mom. And I started telling my students that I said, if this is what you feel like, you have to remind yourself every time that there's going to be that, however many minutes it is where it feels like you're going to drown. If you can, anticipate that and get through it and just keep going you'll get to the side where it's a flow state where it's better where it's okay and I always tell them like it, it doesn't matter if you have to remind yourself of that every time because I do it doesn't mean mm -hmm. you're bad it doesn't mean you're dumb it means that this is just what you have to do to get writing and yep. yeah you That's know, one of I the biggest that, lessons I took away <laughs> I think that loops us like kind of right back around to where we started yeah. which was like 
our weddings, which were unique to us, but also shared a common trait among them was that we had to know who we were as yeah. people to successfully plan our own weddings. And, and I think what you're describing about the writing process um, is very much the same too, is that you have to actually shut out the noise of what people say writing should feel like, or what you mm -hmm. assume that writing should feel like, or writing should look like, or what a writing process is meant to be, and actually tune into your own kind of experience and know like this is something I tell myself when I write too like oh Amy like when you get to this part you always have the existential dread and the desire to quit your entire life but that's just that lasts about a week and then you get through it like, like yeah. every time it happens every time but like the, there's not a book that's going to tell me that that's going to happen right I had to learn that about myself and then mm -hmm. I had to trust myself enough to know that that's what writing is for me right even yeah, if I didn't we should write a book people. about writing with ADHD yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean we, I would miss all my deadlines but oh it would yeah be totally great. When I actually I get would, it in, it'll be great. I would get like real hyped up on planning it out and I'd make this cool outline and everything and then I'd never write anything. So I would word vomit <laughs> and then I would be like, it's done and it's perfect. And then somebody would have to be like, we're gonna edit this. And I'm like, okay. That's, that's the thing I had to learn about myself with writing is that um, writing for me actually comes fairly easily, um, but I was so attached to it for the longest time. And I only got good at this again, like a couple of years ago to understand it. Like it was physically painful for me to see someone criticize and like, and not even criticize, edit my writing, right? It was physically painful for me. And cause it was so personal, right? It was just so much like I was a writer and this is what I did. And I was and, and then so to have any sort of, any sort of um, feedback was just like, devastating like i just couldn't it, i would fall apart every time just like just wrecked um and so now i've almost gone too far in the other direction where i'm just like i write something and then i'm like do whatever you want with it mm -hmm. i'm cool edit it all you want because like i you know i apparently have no idea what how my own writing is or sounds so like personal growth lee this yeah is per personal i guess growth, but i'd like right? there would it would be nice if there was like a middle ground where i was like Oh, please. Um, you know, yeah, I know. There's no middle ground. We have ADHD. Someday. It's much more therapy. We all need more yeah. therapy to find a way yeah. to not be all or nothing. We'll get there. I have to tell you one more thing before I go that now you mentioned like pain and physical pain about it. I have to tell you this. When I was writing my dissertation, which is like the ultimate project of doom for someone who struggles with writing in the way I struggle with writing, like getting mm. started. And, and executive functioning like, like how did we all do yeah, this with ADHD oh, like Christ. what the hell but we did it like it's so anyways, yeah writing a dissertation on. is like you don't know what the fuck you're writing until you're it's like written. all two-thirds of the way through it yeah and then it starts to make sense but that first you know two-thirds of it is like starting over every day yeah and trusting that you'll get there so and it was so hard for me to get through that drowning period you know and I would start myself over a million times so i actually end up doing this i taped a thumbtack with the point facing up to my delete key i shit you not i did this I love it. oh my god <laughs> because i would go through and i would try to write like the perfect sentence and then i would delete but i found that i could get into the writing zone faster if i just kept writing instead of deleting mm -hmm. um that's probably like a function of me being a poet and like everything. That is like the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I love it. It's like you devised oh, aversive therapy for yourself. Oh God. Yeah. And I remember telling my mom about it and she was like, you know, whatever works. 
I told my students about it. I tell my students stories all the time about like how terrible my writing process is mm. so that they can feel their writing process is better. Like one time, one story I always tell them is that this is how bad my executive functioning is. In grad school, I had to write a book review um, and I missed the deadline for it. This is the one I'm a PhD student. Like you're not supposed to miss deadlines when you're a PhD student. And the teacher, of course, was my, my professor was my dissertation advisor. And the second time, I had to ask her for a second fucking extension on a book review, a book review for Christ's sake. And I just was in utter hell over the whole thing. And I remember, because we were using AOL Instant Messenger at the time, my now husband said, you're having so much trouble with your, your book review. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, well, what's, like, what's the book about? You know, I, I didn't read it. What's, what's in the introduction? And I would say, oh, well, this guy does this. He said, okay, well, what's he say after that? Like, what's the next step? And I finally ended up typing him enough sentences that he copied and pasted the messages and sent it back to me and said, here's your first paragraph. Yeah. And my he husband, talked me through that. Yep. My husband manages me like that all the time too. He's like, tell yeah, me so, more about this problem while he's taking voice memos. And he's like, there, solved. I'm like, mm. I hate you. I tell my students think. that every time. Yeah. I tell them like whatever it takes. I always tell them yeah. that my friend did that for me, and they say, "Oh, that's a good friend." I said, "Yeah, he was such a good friend that I married him." Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I've been telling. So I've been. Um, says, of course, Amy and I are, are pretty open about having ADHD, and this move to online has been so difficult for students with ADHD in, in universities. And so I've had people reach out to me and be like, is, can you talk to my students or like, you know, uh, this one student is really struggling. Do you think, you know, what can I help them with or, or whatever. And so I've been starting to say like voice, you know, like just do the voice recognition, mm -hmm. just talk it out. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That Put it, record it, do, you know, get, uh, upload it to Otter AI and it'll take a transcript of it or, you know, do automatic voice to text or, you know, one of them, one uh, shared with me, she's like, well, I just like writing everything out by hand. And I said, great, write it out by hand and then speak it so to to you know the 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 voice transcriber the and google then you've doc got in yeah Chrome. into your google doc yeah. and then and then you can edit it and you get all the great things and you can speak it while you're doing other things like you can mm -hmm. speak it while you're biking you can you know speak it while you're i, I don't know driving like to work. playing yeah mm -hmm. drive driving to work or playing candy crush like nobody like drives crush. anywhere now julie don't yeah, tease us. Don't <laughs> tease us about leaving the house. I know. I know. That's I, I, nice. I drove to the drugstore today, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. <gasps> I drove to the garden well, we center. Gotta, we gotta go I drove to the drugstore to get my Adderall. <laughs> yeah, because they won't mail it. They won't mail That's it. Right, I can get I have anything to show else my mailed. ID because it's yeah. like a schedule one. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I can get anything else, any of the other medication mailed, but for the ADHD medication, mm -hmm. I got to go to hell yeah to the health center um and and uh be like thankfully though but th this is when we start getting i know um this yeah. is when we start getting uh into these ideas like why couldn't it this be this way all the time because my my hmo is like okay well we'll give you 90 days of things and i'm like oh thank god finally yeah finally give me 90 days that would be awesome i wish i had 90 days of adderall but they we are not. the opposite in ontario right now they're limiting everybody to 30 day supplies of stuff and I'm like, you have no idea. You have just like tripled my capacity yeah. to forget to come get this renewed. Like I have to yeah. phone and then yeah. I have to wait and then I have to go and get it. No, 
right? Yeah. No, no, exactly. Now, if the, the more that I have to do that, the more likely it is that I'm going to make a catastrophic yeah. error there. So I'm glad you could get 90 days worth of stuff. I used to yeah. get 60 days, but now I only get 30 days. And I'm like, now that's twice as many opportunities for me to forget to refill my prescription. Yeah. And, and, and then, oh God, and then have to wait too. five days. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you. this. It was such a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Um, thank I, you for sharing you. with us. I could talk and... to you both all day and thank you so much for this podcast. Um, when I heard that Lee was doing it, I, it was not too long after that I got my diagnosis and listening to it, it was like the first time I felt so many things about myself resonating with other people in ways that I didn't really have anybody to talk to about. So, um, you guys have been a wonderful lifeline for me and I love this podcast and everything you do has been just awesome. Um, I'm your biggest fan. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you could Yay. come and that makes me yeah. so happy that, I'm sorry, did you say that all the things? Oh, oh can I please things? say it with you? Yes. 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 Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, every time you say that on the podcast, Amy, I like say it along when I'm listening. Oh, I'm so glad. It's like a terrible tick and I can't stop doing it and I'm annoying myself, but I, I cannot. Stop. I just I think of the you. hyperbole and a half, you know? Yes. Oh, yes. Just like exactly. You oh guys my are my Come people. Back anytime. Oh. Come back yes. anytime. Yes. anytime. I would love to. I would love to. Thank you so I have much. To say, I have to improve my makeup and personal grooming game if you're going to come back on because like you look amazing today with like your beautiful shirt and like your skin looks amazing and I'm like a oh gosh, shiny red middle-aged woman wearing pajamas. I got, I got pink hair too. Oh my god I, I love it. I colored my hair in quarantine. I did okay on the ombre. My hairstylist yeah. will be proud of me but um, I did not even wear that much makeup today. I had a full face on yesterday but I've not worn very much in look so quarantine. Amazing that Thank I hate you myself so much. now. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. I'm glad that we all kind of have pinkish hair and yes. I would love to yes. help anybody with makeup at any time. So thanks. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do a makeup episode later, right, Lee? Yes. Sure. Okay. Heck yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So Thank take care, guys. everyone. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.